In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Okay, welcome, welcome, welcome to another stop on the show mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every film, black film that's ever been made. My name is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, Wednesdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on gtownradio.com, and I am joined as always. Yo, what's up? Highlight your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And tonight... We are really leaning on the every black film ever made, I would argue. I, I think we, we have a bit of a curio from the 90s. Really? I would say so. A bit of a curio from the 90s. Hmm. Uh, 1992's animated feature, Baby's Kids. Baby's Kids. Based on the legendary Robin Harris's bit. We don't die. We multiply. Before we get to that, and more scatological humor. Ah, I love it. We yes, have, we. Uh, before we get to that, we got a. We got man. We got. This may be, um, and I know Vince is is fighting a cold, ladies and gentlemen. But Lynn is being kind because fight <laughs> implies that it's two people actually engaged in it. If you've been listening to the Mature Mission, I'll just put it like this. This cold asked me for my cornbread two hours ago. I gave this cold my cornbread, and then I went and baked another pan of it. This, this cold has got his foot up my entire behind. <laughs> he baked another pan just for the just cold. Just for the cold. The cold said, do you want your cornbread? And I said, no, sir, Mr. Cold, I don't. In fact, let me bake you a pan you all more. to yourself. Yes, but please continue. Um, well, sad to say, Vince, that on a show where you, I'm sure you would just as soon as we get to the review and get up out of here um, tonight, we actually have a ton. I mean, a ton of responses. So let's go straight to the top. We received a post, a couple of things on Facebook. Okay. Lucas human. Hey, what's up, Lucas? It's a cool name. That is a very cool name. It actually is two ends, so it's Lucas Human. Okay. And and I bet that's how he says it. I mean, that's how you have to say it. A name like that. What's your name? Human. Lucas Human. Hey guys. Loved the Driving Miss Daisy episode. Okay. Oh, Thank you. Vince as hoax 
I'll be a spitting fiddle filled with buttermilk had me dying laughing. This dude. Also, I agree with Vince. This movie is terrible. <laughs> well, there you go. I don't know about that. I mean, hey, man, people love driving Miss Daisy. Not Lucas. Not Lucas. Not me. But there, you know, has a significant following. Um, he also wrote, uh, this is back in July, so I may have missed this, or I may have mentioned it again, but it's worth mentioning it again, because okay. it gives me a chance to say that we also heard from Lucas Human, Human, who said that he respectfully requests the Inkwell as threatened in the Straight Out of Brooklyn episode. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's coming, but... I mean, it's coming. It may not make eventually. it... Eventually. It may not make it before 100. But it's coming. We have no choice but to get there. Yeah. We uh, received notice from Michelle Fitz. Oh, hey, Michelle. Just finished listening to the review of the movie Driving Miss Daisy. Driving Miss Daisy. And it was hilarious. Oh, okay. Vince must have said the word bullish 16 times. In my defense, this was a film filled with bull. Okay, there's 17 for you, Michelle. That's a little extra one. Yeah, that's a little extra editing for me <laughs> at the five minute mark. Remember that five minutes. Um, I totally agree with his very opinionated remarks. This movie seems to be made to appease white people on some level. There was absolutely no explanation or redemption for Morgan Freeman's character in this movie. This movie served to keep that character stuck and satisfied in that position. (sighs) Keep doing the awesome work that you do. P.S. When I grow up, I want to be Dan Aykroyd. Straight (laughs) robbing people for their money. Oh, Hoke. <laughs> oh, mama. And then, like, he vanishes for, like, ten minutes. <laughs> Look, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know there wasn't a whole subplot There's with a whole, him and Patty, his wife, played by Patty Lapone? Yes, who talk about a waste of talent. I know. Yeah. That's, that's the same thing I was saying. It's right. Like, oh, my God. You, this is what you've got Patty Lapone yeah. reduced to in this film. So that, that tells me that there was a subplot that for time got excised Just got ex- from the final okay, cut. Okay. All right. Sure. To tighten up the, um, the story. Yes. Yes. Keep, keep it lean. <laughs> I can't even say that with a serious <laughs> face. I can't. On Twitter, we heard from uh, uh, Daryl, at Daryl Daryl. Hey, what's up, Daryl? I haven't heard from him in a minute. Kudos to Vince for taking pretty much the whole review before mentioning do the right thing. Dare I say, you did the right thing. There you go. Whatever. <laughs> um <laughs> Everybody all on your jock. You know what? I was listening because we, we're getting ready for our Halloween programming. Yes. So and so I was scrolling through because we got volume. Like, we actually have, you know, we got episodes. Yeah, yeah. So I was scrolling through on the webpage to uh, get to our Halloween episodes last year. Mm-hmm. And I happened to see To Sleep With Anger. Oh, okay. Which, you know, made me think, you know, because I, I was listening to Sleep With Anger again, talking about old Southern men. Do you know what Harry in Okra would have done to Hoke? <laughs> I like the movie. 
Harry would have slit Hook's throat and then used his blood to do some type of spirit summoning. Then he would have fricasseed his heart and made a mess of hush puppies to eat with it. Tawana at <laughs> TP Sully on Twitter hit us up and joined the Michelle Missions debate on Driving Miss Daisy. I've never seen the movie, but hearing that trailer, not my type of flick. You got to watch it, Tawana. You got to, Tawana. You, you have to. You have to. Suck it up. Do it. Romero Manuel hit us up. He hit a link that he shared. What's up, Romero? Hit, uh, shared with us on Twitter. How to how Get Out inspired a new college course on racism and horror. I saw that. I saw that. It's uh, up on IO9. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by Evan uh, Narcisse. Yeah, that was a, a very cool article. Very cool. Very cool. You got to check it out. Get Out is, you know, Get Out is. Uh, and speaking of our older episodes and, and things, did you see that uh, Jordan Peele and Spike Lee are going to come together and create a film called the black Klansman. No, I did not see Yeah, that. about, uh, um, apparently it's a true story about a federal agent who infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan. But how about that? So there will be two movies called the black Klansman, mm. and we've already done one of them. We've already done one. I wonder, will Jordan Peele and Spike Lee's film, rise to the heights <laughs> of the original The Black Klansman. I guess we'll have to see. We shall. We shall. I cannot wait. I am waiting with bated breath on uh, that that moment. Um, we also heard we got some emails. I told you, Vince, it's, 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 it's a thick night. I'm sorry. Oh, right. We heard from Aaron Fry. Hey, Aaron. When you get around to doing imitation of life, yeah, please, please do the original and the remake on the same show. I hate both versions so much. (laughs) I need to get the hate out of my system in one show, not dragged into two separate episodes. You know, Aaron, because I'm just going to say that's going to we're going to do imitation of life before 100. Yeah. Uh. I I kind of I feel, don't know if we should do them the same night though. Like I feel like they each deserve their own episode. Do you really? I kind of. I mean, do. I mean, maybe they they may deserve like a more robust, obese episode. But I feel like because the two movies, I mean, they're almost like like the timestamps, but the timestamps generationally. Right. Because there are people that have fond memories of the original, and then there are people that have fond memories of the remake. Right. So, and, and both of those people are in our audience. Right. So I feel like when you do a review of one, you can't help but bring up. The I mean, other. even if we bring it up, like I, well, I, I'll have to say this. I need to watch both of them again. Just oh, to me see too. If there are any differences between them? Because right. what I'm realizing. And, you know, speaking of Get Out, we had a conversation about um, Imitation of Life during the Get Out yes. episode with um, our guest. Ariel. I don't know if I've seen both of them. Like, I, I feel like I must have. Mm-hmm. But just talking to them, I realize that maybe I haven't seen both of them. 
I'm not sure if I've seen both of them. I know I've seen one. Right, right. I don't know which one. And I know, and I also know that of the one that I saw, I didn't see the whole movie. Right, right. So I'm, I'm certainly down for doing right. both of them. But you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Maurice Poplar. What's up, Maurice? Good episode, brothers. Thank you. I'm feeling Vince on driving Miss Daisy. All right. Hollywood has a lack of imagination for black people existing in a greater black community contextualized by white supremacy. Monster Ball stands out to me as another film in the this is science fiction category. Mm. How in the world that young girl's man go to jail in a small southern town and there not be 100 black men checking up on her making sure her and her boy get some food a few dozen white ones too no way in the real world she ends up with the prison guard yeah i assume y'all won't be reviewing this because it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a different different i think he meant to put movie in here if halle berry's character was was white it would just be less salacious i agree films like six degrees of separation will smith pulp fiction sam jackson Ghost, Whoopi Goldberg, The Woodsman, Most Deaf, and Crash, a couple of characters, are the rare examples of films by white filmmakers that go the extra mile to show fully fleshed out black characters. These characters are almost transgressive because they come from some place and they have some place to go, despite the actors who might get top billing. Tangentially, a possible binge lounge topic, your thoughts on The Woman on the women for Marvel Netflix. No one is just eye candy or a manic pixie dream girl, female version of the magical Negro. Everyone has a story. And even if the main plot line isn't their story, you know, these women come from some places and they're going some places. Let me know if you want some more extensive thoughts on this. I have thought extensively on it. Finally, I really love your digressions. Your thoughts on Charles Bronson flicks and his imitators would be a great opening bout to the next Vince versus Len headlining <laughs> event. <laughs> Keep doing what you do, Maurice P. All right. Thanks, Maurice. I, well, my short response is yes, we want some more thoughts. Yes, please. You know. Please, by all means. We got to find out. I, I'm not sure if we know where maurice is located we gotta find out where maurice right, is located right right because i feel like he should come through yeah or if he's reasonably close maybe we can get to him yeah yeah and do yeah. a show with him because he's a man with thoughts it, hey maurice is a man with a hey. lot of thoughts and i wouldn't mind having those thoughts uh, brought to bear here on the michelle mission and finally we heard from richard ying ng who is, I know, a big fan of the Black Tribbles. We hey, Richard. We met at the uh, Star Trek into, uh, 50th anniversary oh, convention nice. a couple of years ago. Hey, guys. First, I wanted to say thank you for the podcast. Oh. The reviews this summer have given me a great viewing list for films. Second, when the question is Bruce Lee, the answer is always Chinese connection. Mm. While Enter the Dragon always gives us the beauty of Bruce Lee's simplifying classic Hyunying Chan philosophy into something tan- tangible, and I probably butchered the, the name, I apologize. Chinese connection has far more superior fighting. Can I get another hook kick? And the beautiful, foolproof way of identifying Japanese spies in a kung fu school. Check the nipples. 
Mm. Plus, there's the Chinese are the sick men of Asia bit and the no dogs and no Chinese allowed angle. Yeah. Okay, okay. I know it's the Haramaki belly wrap, but the nipples seem so much better. (laughs) All kidding aside, keep up the amazing work. Your number one Chinese-Japanese hybrid fan, Rich, a.k.a. Tribble NX. All right. Well, thank you, Rich. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like we we are almost at the point we need to do a binge lounge on, like, martial arts films of the 70s. Wow. Because I I, I feel like that's a thing for you. It's a thing for me. Yeah, we do, man. You know? We, we 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 may have to make that a, a thing. Like I was like I was all hyped up when we left talking about like I was like you know I wanted to go home and see like you know Lady Street Fighter or <laughs> oh yeah some Sunny Chiba you know I can sit down and watch I haven't watched Sunny Chiba easily in twenty years outside of when he appears in Pulp Fiction right right so right. I could really sit down and watch some vintage Sunny Chiba yeah yeah and then you know the Shaw Brothers films are just like, I'll just stop what I'm doing. They don't even really come on like that anymore. No, they don't. Which is a shame, but, you know. It is a shame, but you know what? The Shaw Brothers films, I do like them. Yes. But, like, there are some people that can, like, you know how guys will spend, like, a whole Sunday just watching football back to back to back to back to back? Right, right, right. There are guys that'll watch Shaw Brothers films. Oh, absolutely. Back to back to. I can't watch Shaw Brothers films. Back right. To. After about two of them, you know, I've seen them. Right. You know, and it, 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 and I'm like, I'm kind of good. Well, you know, appropriately Especially enough. Especially because it's a lot of the same guys. Well, and Shaw Brothers movies are kind of like Wu-Tang guys. Yeah. Like, you remember it was that period where, like, there were Wu-Tang guys and it was like, like, I was a Wu-Tang guy. Like, I bought all of the main members' solo mm-hmm. albums. Mm-hmm. But then remember it was dudes who just chased oh, yeah. RZA beats. Exactly. Like, everywhere. I was never that guy. Right. So I was the same way with the Shaw Brothers films. Like I like like the main films and and you know, like kind of like you I could watch maybe two in a row. Right. But the guys who are like really Shaw's Brothers guys, I was never one of those. But yeah. you know, I respect it. Yeah, I respect you it. You know, I love people. I lo- you know, I love obviously. I love people who have their own thing. Amen. All right, so that's all the messages that we got. We all we right. thank each and every Absolutely. one of you that emails us at michellemission at gmail.com. Also, likes and follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Michelle Mission or Mission Michelle. And if you want to uh, help us out, the best way to do is then on the podcaster of your choice, give us a five-star rating and maybe even a review because that truly helps people find the show. Absolutely. Thank you. One and all. It is time. All right. For us to get into Baby's Kids. Baby's Kids. I see you got a weight problem. Can't wait to eat. It started in the mind of an offbeat comedian. We baby kids. We don't die, we it grew into the animated world of Bebe's Kids. I knew she was trouble. I should have known her when I met her. It was at a funeral. Who's that girl in that black dress? She's so fine, make me want to get a job. She told me, she said, if you want to get acquainted with me and my son. You should take us somewhere like Fun World. Fun World. So I go to pick her up the next day. <laughs> Three more kids with her. 
Paramount Pictures presents Baby's Kids. Those are double knit pants, aren't they? Try to bring it back, huh? Please familiarize and observe the rules while in Fun World. No running. No jumping. No yelling. That means you enjoy your stick. Baby's Kids. We don't die, we multiply! They're all energy. They're all attitude. It ain't time to go. You trying to leave us? And for the next 12 hours, they're all Robins. I thought the devil was cool when they made Rosemary Babies. But, oh no, oh no. Now we got Baby Kids. Baby's Kids, 1992 animated film based on the comedy of the late, great Robin Harris. The way the skit goes, the speaker in this case, the character Robin, voiced by Faison Love, meets a young lady voiced by Vanessa Bell Calloway and gets to know her and her son. But in the midst of getting to know her and her son, she says that you need to take us out. And specifically to the copyright friendly, <laughs> the, the copyright friendly fun world. Right. When Robin goes to pick her up, she is also babysitting Bebe's kids, to mm-hmm. which point Robin asks, well, where is Bebe? And Bebe is nowhere to be found. Bebe's kids are ill-behaved, misbehaved, this-behaved, that-behaved. Everything but well-behaved. Everything but well-behaved. And hijinks ensue. Yes. Lynn, yes. this was your choice. Yes, it is. What say you of 1992's Bebe's kids? The reason why I chose this film is because, as I pointed out on our last episode, um, I uh, had the unfortunate happenstance to walk into the room on Labor Day when my girlfriend, Lily Tribble, was deep in the midst of a Tyler Perry marathon. And one of the films... That's a lot of wigs. (laughs) Amen. Uh, And Tyler Perry has an animated film Mm -hmm. that I... A week later, still haven't bothered to find out the name of, but she was she That's was watching it. Now, in its defense, animation wise, it was pre- probably like a three dollar Family Guy as well as the animation quality. But at its heart, it was a Medea film, and I couldn't be bothered with it. So that made me start thinking though about how many feature films there have been that have featured predominantly um, people of color as the main cast. And I was hard-pressed to think of any outside of Baby's Kids. Right. And remembering that I enjoyed Baby's Kids when I last seen it, which was probably maybe about a good three or four years ago. Oh, okay. Just randomly it was on, so I sat and watched it. It's like, okay, let's do Baby's Kids. So I watched Baby's Kids. Okay. Even though having seen it three or four years ago, for the most part, the plot completely out of my mind. You know, you remember the, the, the basic plot line, which you just detailed, which is part of Robin Harris comedy routine. Right. That whole visit to the amusement park and everything like that. That's all his routine. So I remember that, but of course, you know, they have to flesh that out for the film. Right. 
Um, and watching this film, what I was struck with this time, especially now because I'm watching it more with a critical eye, mm-hmm. is that this film, which was produced by the Hutton brothers, goes out of its way to try to capture the tone of Robert Robin Harris comedy, which while this is definitely, you know, he's talking about kids, he's talking about some bad kids, it's more in a adult setting. He's, he doesn't curse a whole lot. Right. You know, he curses a little bit, but not a whole lot in his comedy routine. Um, but it's definitely adult fare. And the the movie tries to straddle that line between being a kid friendly movie because it's an animated film it's about kids about kids going to an amusement park but also still having the edge of it being um adult fare by way of the opening with where the cartoon character robin you know is in a bar yeah decidedly straight in a bar in the in the big get into the movie um this bar that is littered with nothing but bar flies oh yeah <laughs> bar flies and bar flies and uh, plenty including a blind um bartender serving drinks to the bar itself literally i mean then cut to you know it starts on a dark note already because he meets this girl jamika well he meets her at a funeral, <laughs> right. you know, at, at the repast of a funeral, right? Right. Where at the repast of this funeral, these guys are sitting in the kitchen playing dominoes, talking about how much they hate the guy that just died. Right. Making jokes at his expense, talking about he was so cheap. He wouldn't even spend an evening. He wouldn't spend a good evening. Really stuck out with me. Cause yeah. I never heard it though. All yeah. the times I've seen this movie, I thought, Oh my God, that's funny. Um, so, it it tries to capture that it tries to stay true to that tone, Robin Harris tone. Faison Love in what is billed as his um, movie, feature film debut, yeah, voicing Robin Harris does his best to try and evoke the the sound and feeling of Robin Harris in this movie. I don't know, if, I don't remember if you you touched on it, but Robin Harris. Yeah. It tragically died yeah. uh, while this film was in pre-production in the 90s. Right. Um, he died of a massive heart attack. Uh, at, cut down two. two uh, Ab- right absolutely. when the star was rising. Yeah, absolutely. Really. Um, he had just done Jungle, uh, not Jungle Figure, Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing. Um, he had done More Better Blues. Yeah. Uh, he had done a couple I of I mean, House things. Party. And he had done the House I mean, Party. Really, he had done a the first house role party. in House Party. Yeah, the, yeah. the first House Party. Um and then, you know, uh, struck down a heart attack at the age of 36. So Faison Love does the best to try to evoke the, the, the sound and feel sure. of Robin Harris in this in this film. And um, the the voice acting in the film by Vanessa Bell Calloway, she's not doing anything gr- greatly special in there, but she's doing okay. Right, right, you right. Know, she's doing her thing. Um, you've got the, you've got, you've got uh, Marcus Houston and Jonelle Green as Khalil and LaShawn, two of baby's kids um, with the third, Pee Wee, you know, hilariously portrayed by none other than the rapper Tone Loke. Because the third Pee Wee is actually an infant. Yes, he's actually just a very infant walking around yeah. with a poop-filled, fly-encrusted diaper throughout the entire film. And then Jamika's son, uh, Leon, 
who is voiced by uh, Wayne Collins, Wayne Collins Jr. All the kids, they're doing, you know, they're doing okay work in here, you know, because you got to remember Tone Luke, he's older. Right. Marquis Houston, he's he's still kind of like a, a you know, little yeah, boy. Yeah, he's probably 13, time. 14. Yeah. yeah, you know, of, of immature fame for all you R&B lovers. Um, the film tries to tries to play both sides of the fence of being a, a kid's film, but being, you know, having stuff for the adults. Right. And and also trying to be uh, imaginative in some of the animation choices that they have. You have a whole segments of this film that go to totally black, you know, uh, like chalk on a blackboard. Right, right, um, right. Which through this whole romantic uh, interlude in the film. You have uh, portions of this film that feel like they stepped out of like a Monty Python movie where all of a sudden you've got, you know, giant robots the Terminator and a robot Abe Lincoln and a robot Richard Nixon putting the kids on trial you know for, for being bad kids yeah it's it's really then you've got these you've got these matrix like security guards at the at the 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 um the amusement park making sure that the the kids are having Funland brand of fun. Yes. No, don't make your own fun. You're going to have Funland fun. And there actually is a song when they get into strapped into the uh, it's a small worldish type of ride at Funland that I, I forget like the name of the song, but it basically the song talks about we, we're here to fool you out of your money. Right. Like that's right. That, that is actually what the whole thing is is about. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jacquees Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco? Vince, with your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Um... So you've got a, a a film that you know is straddling the fence about you know some adult themes. Is it a little subversive, trying to give you a little bit of commentary right. on commercialism and and all this other type of stuff? You know, while also battling with trying to be a kids' film as well. And I think for the most part, it can. It 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 succeeds in what it's trying to do, but it doesn't stick the landing for two reasons. One, I think the sound mix is a little bad because I think that 
a lot of the actors are improvising their lines, especially in the beginning and the great bar scene and then right, the funeral right. scene. Um, they're improvising their improvising their lines, so they're stepping over each other. So you're missing a lot of stuff, right? You know, and that that mix has to be done precisely. You know, playing with your levels so that you can hear the, hear the the jokes that pop. And then the other thing, and the biggest the biggest tra- travesty is that the animation lets this film down. This is a Paramount Pictures. Uh, production, so it's not independent. You know, this that's a big movie house. Um, it's Reginald Hudlin, the Hudlin brothers produced it, but the animation they they skipped on the budget. This wasn't shipped overseas to any Asian animators. This was shipped to London. Nobody right. ships nothing to London for their animation, right? Right, and it shows. In this, the character designs, while I think are inventive and lively enough, their movement and the basic laziness to the backdrop in a lot of this, a lot of this film, um, just really gives a very poor showing to what, for the most part, is a fairly imaginative story, even though it's at, at its heart it's padding. Robin Harris um, comedy routine and I think that is ultimately what lets down this movie I think it's a strange movie I think you, you know I love part of the reason I love the 70s is cause the weirdness that you got in the 70s just sort of the randomness but in retrospect there's a lot of that in the 90s too like we've All talked right. about you know Tales from the Hood on this show you know something like posse Mm. and then you have a film like this that you know when you think about this story this is you know as we've talked about you know this is based on a bit that robin harris did right and you know robin harris as a comedian you know like you said he died at 36 but he he really was this kind of older he represented this older kind of comedy oh yeah his comedy harking back to like the rafe uh, Red Fox, Red Fox, era. Pig Meat Markham, yeah. like that kind Mom's of old, Mabley. Mo- Mom's Mabley, and you know, I think in my mind, the most successful part of this animation is in that sort of of environment, like in the bar where they're playing a blues song, and you, know, mm-hmm. you have these older comedians, including John Witherspoon and George Wallace, and this feels natural. Yeah. And you take something like Bebe's Kids, which was his breakout bit about, you know, going on a date with this woman and having to take these extra kids along. And because of his untimely death, you know, the decision is made to make a cartoon out of it. And, and you know, you kind of get it because it's about kids and yeah. kids and animation. But here in America, when we do animation, we do animation for kids. So you have this cartoon but the subject of the cartoon is not only this very adult comedian, mm-hmm. but a comedian from an older style. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just it's it's a bad it well not a bad fit, but it's a strange fit. Even so much so that even though this is made for you know, it, it looks like it's made for kids, you know, you look at the color palette, you look at you know, all of the stuff. It's rated PG thirteen. Yeah. So this is not a film that, you know, you'd show your kid with, you know, I don't know, you know, one of the, you know, Tangled. 
Right. Like, we're going to watch Tangled, and then we're going to watch Bebe's Kids. Yeah, that's not a good twofer. So, you know, you have that. And then, you know, the other part, and, and you know, just to go back to the source material, I think what makes Bebe's Kids work is the edge that Robin Harris brings to it. Mm-hmm. Like, he legitimately does not like these children. Right. And these right. children are in the way of him having sex with this woman. Right. Like, that's the bit. Right. So, you know, when you take this and you put it in this animated context, you have to kind of sand the edges. Yeah. To kind of make it. But I think when you sand the edges, when you give the kids, you know, almost this backstory, when when you have the character of Robin soften towards them in the end, Mm. it takes away what in my mind makes it work and and what it made me think of is is you, you know i call him legendary and and part of the reason i call him legendary is is it's kind of the biggie thing like he wasn't around a long time but so many people kind of draw from him right and one of the the main people that drew from kind of this same well would be bernie mac very true and bernie mac has a similar bit where he talks about having to take in his uh, nephews and his niece because his sister has a drug problem and it's that same edge yeah where you have someone with these children and it you know in my mind it's kind of intrinsically funny mm-hmm. when adults don't like children like that's just funny from because you know they're kids it's like kids and puppies and you have to, <laughs> you know i don't like children right 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 which you know sidebar remember like the first season of Next Generation, Star Trek The Next Generation, oh. where John Luke Picard didn't like kids. Yes. And they had to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was always upset that they, because John Luke Picard should have hated uh, Wesley. I don't know if he should have hated Wesley. because there oh, was Wesley the, was annoying. I don't think Wesley was as, as annoying as people make it out he to be. He was pretty annoying. But as annoying as he may have been, I don't think John Luke Picard would have hated Wesley. I think he would would have begrudgingly dealt with Wesley because of the backstory between him, his mother, and his father. Right. Now, the rest of the kids. The rest of them kids they had run around the Enterprise. Yeah. He'd have been kicking kids off the off of the um uh, the 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 turbo lift right like right, left right, and right right you know but um you know back to Bernie Mac if you look at the first couple of seasons of the Bernie Mac show mm-hmm. there's a real edge to them that's true where that's you know, very true you know and and you know I understand it's different your relatives as opposed to the children of a friend of a woman you're dating but I thought it kind of separated it from just sort of sitcommy stuff mm-hmm. the fact that he loves these children. He's responsible for these children, mm-hmm. but he doesn't like these children. Yeah. Yeah. And that edge kind of makes this tension that I think comedically works really well. And unfortunately, that's not in this film. They try to put it in the film. Like, you know, you have him more warming up, at least for the most of the film, to Jamaica's son, Leon, um, uh, and feeling for him as he's trying to deal with his deal with uh baby's kids in his own way and him kind of like advising advising young boy about how to do that so you you have him feeling like that but there's um there is i do think that, like you said they took take the pedal off the metal a little bit um and 
I think that's to the detriment of the film because there is a part in the film where you kind of like lose their relationship, which is basically like it's the crux of the film. Right. It's what you want to You mean see. Robin and the children. Right. Because right, Robin right. eventually has to go away for some bit, you know, with Jamaica to, right. to establish a relationship with her. And even then they have to create a villain for him in the form of his ex-stepwife, uh, well, his ex-wife, um, all of a sudden there at Funland to harass them in Funland while the kids go off with the with the Lost Boys right. and have it adventures. Who, just getting a kids movie, you know, the, the subplot with his ex-wife who's trying to get Jamika away from him. And at one point she says that she's walking crooked because he put it on her last night. Well, see, that's I that. I was like, whew. That's that edge that the film that's, tries to ooh, walk. Yeah, and kids' it, movie, huh? But this, but that's why it's PG thirteen. Like a thirteen year old, even in nineteen ninety two, right, is right. probably getting that joke, right? You know, a ten year old, no, right? You know, so, and I think that again, I think that that's something that can work. You got to remember, nineteen ninety two, The Simpsons were already on TV. Absolutely, you know what I mean. So, which was an adult animated show. That is, and that is really interesting, and. At that time, the networks were fighting, trying to find something to rival The Simpsons. Right. You know, in, in the adult fair at that time. So I think that I think that it can be smartly done. I And I think that for the most part, like, I think Robin Williams, uh, Robin Williams, excuse me, Robin Harris passing took a little bit of the wind out of their sails. Yeah. Because there definitely yeah. was... Um, you know, I think the, the the Huntland brothers were very invested in developing an actual live action film for him. Yeah, because Robin Harris at that point, his star was definitely on the rise yeah. in nineteen ninety. Yeah. so they were wanted to be in the Robin Harris business. Him passing away that he did takes the wind out of their sails. They decide that okay, we gotta let's do something with it. Let's do it as an animated film. We got Faison Love. He can sound approximately close enough to to Robin to get it over. Let's get it out there and, and see what happens. Um I don't think it was a cash grab. I think it no, was no. you know out of true um affection for Robin and for his comedy and right. for trying to give his uh the mark that he made in this world tried to give it some type of permanence by having this movie out there but i just think that the animation at heart let them down well you know i think the irony is first i agree with you that you know i th- i think the hutland brothers were very invested in this i think the hutland brothers had a personal relationship with robin harris and they thought that this would add to his legacy right and you know i wasn't in the room where it happened as they say but I suspect this sort of almost incongruity between messaging mm-hmm. in the film mm-hmm. may have been a pushback between, you know, Reginald Hutland writing the screenplay, okay. trying to maybe be true to the spirit of, of the comedy, Harris, right? And people in the room thinking about, you know, like I always say, lunchboxes. Right. And something yeah. that you just brought up that I hadn't thought about The Simpsons being on, every, I think you're absolutely correct. Everybody was thinking about how to exploit this type of of animation and you can see 
especially when the kids go off on their own, mm-hmm. where you know the thoughts are, you know, maybe this can work. We got to break out Bart character. We got to break out Bart. Three of them, absolutely, and certainly Tone Loke is the baby. Yep, and and you know we can have him on television, and it can be Bebe's kids, the television series, and you know because you have this push and pull, you end up with this kind of weird thing. Yeah, yeah, where the kids are judged by killer robots. Yeah, that's a really weird segment. That are going to murder them. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's let's live on that moment for a moment. <laughs> yes. The, the the robot Terminator. Yes. The cartoon version of the Terminator. Because it's very much a Terminator. Like, like yes. Yeah. He puts them on trial basically for having their own brand of fun. Right, right, right. At Funland. How dare you? Yes. So we're going to put you on trial. The robot Abe Lincoln is going to defend them against the robot Richard Nixon. Do we mention that there were robot presidents? That's right. There are all there are the, robot presidents. All the robot presidents. This has nothing to do with the Hall of Presidents in Disneyland. Slash Absolutely Disney not, not at all. Any any uh, any uh, coincidence coincidental likeness is um, coincidence. It's part of your imagination. There you go. Um, I mean, it's a small world. After, after all. all. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh God! Um, yeah, that's a really weird, that's a really weird bit. That was well done. That was a really weird bit. That was a really weird bit that ha- that happening there. But and it's dark. Like like the room it, is like it looks yeah. like it, it looks like the trial that that um that Zod and the two other the two other criminals were on in uh, the beginning of Superman. It does. It does because it's dark and they're under a spotlight. Yeah, like like they they're down, they're looking up at the, yeah. at the at the judge. It's really really strange. But I applaud them for going there, right? You right. know, for for trying to stretch the story. You right. know, to, for for taking it to a bit of the subversive and the absurd. Yeah. You know, I applaud them for the for the trying to flex their animation cells. Uh, 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 um, muscles when Robin and Jamika do go off for like a little romantic uh, rendezvous and the animation style changes. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was very cute and inventive, you know, yeah. and, and um, uncommon in not only just, you know, African American animation at the time, but just uncommon for a film that had been so poorly animated. Right, right. It, it shows that there there was thought put to this. Right. It's just at the end of the day, the budget just didn't allow it really to execute to its fullest. Right, right. And, you know, Bruce Smith, of course, goes on to create The Proud Family. Yeah. Which, you know, there's a whole universe mm-hmm. in The Proud Family because now he has Disney money behind him. Right. Now he's making a television show, a weekly right. show. And you, you're you right. I think certainly there was thought here. But because of, you know, and I agree with you, probably budget constraints or the choices that were made in production, they weren't executed as yeah. well as they could have been. Yeah. It's a shame, though, because it's – I think the animation – is what keeps this film from being more memorable and more than just the curio that you say that it, it right. is. 
the other thing and i didn't want to lose this when when you were talking when you were talking about the um the actors talking over each other you know back to that kind of older style of comedy and and actually in the film they actually have this exchange where two characters start playing the dozens oh yeah that's right i think because of the improvisational nature of a lot of this comedy they needed to film them yeah actually doing the voices and talking about and then maybe animate around it much like they famously did with robin williams Mm -hmm. in aladdin yeah so that you could have that and and i suspect that they did it Oh, I don't so know. Get the is... Robin character kind of looks like Faith on Love. No, 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 no. no I mean, I all like, of the okay. characters, you, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and actually yeah. as they're right. spinning their lines. Yes. You know, as you said, I suspect a lot of this was improvised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, it's probably animated according, according to the script. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you got John Witherspoon and Faith on Love and George Wallace. Right. And Nell Carter quietly. You know what? Seeing her name in the credits, and she she is like plays a small role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this, in this film, but seeing her name in the credits, um, just kind of like touched me uh-huh. because I was always a fan of Nell Carter. Were you really? Like her show, Give Me a Break. I could take her or leave that Ooh. show. To be honest, I thought it was a little, it was rough. But when you saw her outside of that, yeah, and you saw the power in her voice, yeah, and the comedic timing and just the, and her acting chops, I really was a fan of Nell Carter. I, I, I was I was actually uh, heartbroken when she died. I she's mean, another one that died too, way she, too soon. She's from that old school. Yeah, I mean, we're that older school where right. you know, I mean, she hey, that's Broadway trained performer right there. Yeah, man, she was a so. she was a monster. She was a, she was a truly a monster. It is actually a I mean surprising when you look at the result. There's a surprising amount of talent. I know in this film. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a lot it's a lot of good people on on display here. Um, unfortunately, the the display uh, lets them down. And considering that African American animated features are few and far between and that's yeah. being kind. Oh, absolutely. Um that's what makes this really the shame. I think you know, forgive me if I'm wrong, I think we mentioned it last last week. This movie may be the last one before we get the Princess and the Frog. And quietly if you look at Princess and the Frog, like I mentioned kind of my beef with Princess Princess and the Frog. It's funny it was kind of on in the background last week quietly black images in princess and the frog Mm -hmm. aren't as much as you think they would be because sort of the plot of the story she turns into a frog pretty quickly yeah so really it's a film about about frogs right so just those black images aren't really as as prevalent as you would want them right right so you know a film like this that's all black Mm mm-hmm yeah, and then we mentioned that on TV there were few and far between. We got the granddaddy, um, Fat Albert. Fat Albert, of course. Mentioned the Proud Family. Proud Family uh, brings to mind two others: um, Eddie Murphy's claymation series, The PJs. Yes, which was decidedly for adults. Another another animated show that tried to tap find its what tap into that Simpson yeah. yeah. vein, uh, and a Saturday morning uh, cartoon show. Um, 
from Damon Wayans, Wayne Head. Wayne Head. Which was actually a, a very good show because not only was he black, but he was handicapped. Never watched Wayne Head. It's actually a cool kind of show. Okay. It was right. pretty cool. And then you said about another show Fillmore. Fillmore. I'd never heard of Fillmore. He was, was basically, the, 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 basically, the high concept is it's one of those 70s cop show like mm-hmm. imagine streets of san francisco right like the first couple of seasons with carl malden right <laughs> but imagine it at a middle school so carl malden michael douglas a young michael Douglas, young michael douglas just dealing with crime using the law in your fist but it's at a middle school seriously and, and Fillmore's a, a, a black Fillmore, kid the main character's name is Fillmore, and he's a safety guard at this school and he deals with all of the crime at this school, you know, people are stealing tests, and there's like people bootlegging in candy. Like it's a whole deal. Are there's, you serious? There's organized crime. Oh my god! It's pretty hilarious. I have got to watch yeah. this show. And it's not technically a black cartoon, mm-hmm. but the main character is black. Well, there you go. Which is kind of cool. Which is all it needs for Vince's uh, blood. So there that makes it go. a black TV there show. There you go. I've got. I've got to check out Fillmore. Check out Fillmore. You will not be disappointed. I am going to check out Fillmore. Check out Fillmore with me, ladies Check and gentlemen. Let's report Fillmore back next week right here Lynn. on Michelle Mission. Let's all talk about And let Fillmore. us know what you thought about Fillmore. I'm going to check it out this week. All right. I might binge it. It was only like a couple of seasons, I think, right? It was, yeah, maybe two. All right, I'm going to like check it out. Like maybe three, but, but probably two. I'm going to check out all the Fillmore. That sounds dope. All right. So I would recommend that people see Baby's Kids. I think that I think this is a fun film, and I think that Definitely a kid of 13, but maybe even a sophisticated... Sophisticated 12-year-old. 12-year-old. Cosmopolitan 12-year-old. Could sit down and find something enjoyable in Baby's Kids. Okay. What say you? I mean, I guess. I'm, 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 I'm pretty ambivalent about Baby's Kids. Mm-hmm. I think it is more of a curio than not. Like, I think I think Baby's Kids is one of these films that the story behind Baby's Kids is more interesting than Baby's Kids itself. That's to you, though. To me. Yeah, to me. But, you know, sure. It's animated. It's an hour and 12 minutes. That's beautiful. It's only yeah. an hour and 12 minutes. It's barely a movie. And there is there is a good solid half hour of it where you have these older comedians mm-hmm. doing that kind of older comedy that I yeah. love so much yeah. that you have in here. Yeah, and you and have then, an and when are you going to see that animated? Exactly, and then you fast forward to the part where they do the dozens because that right, actually right, takes right, place later right. in the film. So you, with that, and then you catch a little bit of Tone Loke and Marquez Houston and the kids. You know, a little bit of them goes a long way, but you know, there's enough of them. Plus, you've got killer robots threatening to kill children. Who doesn't love that? There's something for everyone <laughs> in Baby's Kids. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, before we tell you what's happening next week, I invite you to give us your feedback. Hit us up. Email us at michellemission at gmail.com. Like and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Michelle Mission or Mission Michelle. And if you really want to... uh, help a brother, help a podcast. Yes. Support black podcasts. Yes. And uh, on the podcast catcher of your choice, give us a five star rating and a maybe even a review that helps people find the show. Yes. iTunes, it really helps. Um, yeah, we're trying to, it would be nice if we could get up to like 25 reviews on iTunes. We've yeah. got like about 
13, 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be nice yeah. to get up to 25. That would be nice. Um, it would be nice. And we appreciate all of them. We really do. We really and do. Absolutely do. And so much so that it is now an annual thing. The Michelle Mission will be returning to Amalgam Comics and Coffee House on October 28th. Saturday, October 28th. We will return for a 9 p.m. screening. That's right. It's Halloween time again. That's right. A 9 p.m. screening of Vampire in Brooklyn. Damn. Speaking of strange films. Starring Ashford Simpson. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Eddie Murphy <coughs> as the titular vampire in, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yes, he is. And his wig. And his wig. And his cape. And in... In commemoration of that lovely cape, we are asking everyone that comes down to the screening to wear a cape of your choice. Cape of your choice. Even Vince. That's right. Who does not cosplay at all. At all. Don't dress up, but I'll wear a cape. He will wear a cape. Vince will be adorned in a cape. I will wear a cape. We want you in a cape. It doesn't matter what cape of all shapes, sizes, colors, fabrics, feels. It doesn't matter. We just want capes and capes aplenty capes on aplenty. Saturday, October 28th, when we screen Vampire in Brooklyn at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House, 2578 Frankfurt Avenue. All right. All right. We're on our way to 100. Yes, we are. Vince, where are we going next? Where are we going next? I, I had a little beef with you a couple of weeks ago. You you did Black Belt Jones, and we try to stretch out our 70s choices. Yes. But I don't care. I'm dip, You did a 70s film. I'm going to dip into the 70s. Uh-oh. It's a film we've talked about, we've alluded to, we've referenced several times mm-hmm. over the Michelle Mission's mission. <laughs> and now it is time to actually delve into it. Oh, boy. Isaac Hayes. Mm-hmm. Yafet Koto. Yes. And a really special performance by the iconic Nichelle Nichols. You bitches better have my money. I am, of course, talking about Truck Turner. Oh, my God. Next week on the Michelle Mission, Truck Turner. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. You know what I'm going to do? What you going to do? You know what I'm going to do? Just for you on the Michelle mission, it's going to take a couple of days. <laughs> but I interviewed Nichelle, Nichelle Nichols for the Black Tribbles. I know. And Jealous. I, I talked to her about Truck Turner. Which is so, that's so crazy to me that you did that. I'm going to edit out the part where we talk about Truck Turner and I will post that on our feed uh, that this, sometime would this be week. Lovely. So people can just listen to that little bit. Yes. As a, as, a, as, a, as a precursor to our review of Truck Turner, look for it later this week on the feed, my interview with Nichelle Nichols about Truck because Turner. Because people may not know, but you've told me she's very cool. Oh. Like to be Nichelle Nichols, she's amazingly cool. She is so dope. She is so she is so cool, and if you think if you think the movie was the first time that she cursed, oh no 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 oh oh no oh, oh no oh. The, the the woman is uh, dare I say at Richard Pryor level oh no with an with an f bomb when she wants to be oh I, I may I may overspeak that a little bit but um but she was very very cool um and it was a cool cool interview and we did talk about Truck Turner and she would 
actually tickled to talk about it because you <sighs> have to imagine everybody Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Trek, who, Star Trek. Who asked Michelle Nichols about Truck Turner? Only the men of Michelle. <laughs> That's right. So Truck Turner next week here on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen. Until then. All right. He's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>